It is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G. from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. And coming up on this week's show, we'll obviously talk about all the issues going on down in Norman and whether or not Brent Venables, Ted Roof, Jeff Levy, Joe Castiglione, anyone could actually fix them this year. Plus, there's already been a suggestion for a replacement down in Norman. Actually, there's been two suggestions. And I'll tell you why there's one you probably really won't have a problem with. And we're going to play you some audio today. Um, The audio that everybody's talking about. What Mike Gundy said at his press conference. And the audio nobody's talking about, which was actually way more important, that every college football fan should be interested in. All right. But since it is week seven of the college football season, let's do our nod to Colin Cowherd. Where Eric was right. Where Eric was wrong which is a complete ripoff of where Colin was right. Colin was wrong. So, Colin, the check's in the mail. All right, where I was wrong. Um, I had come up with this philosophy over the last how four or five years that when it came to OU Texas, just go 180 degrees the opposite direction of what logic tells you. Logic told you OU was going to get their butt kicked this year. So... What's the 180-degree direction to go into? OU finds a way to win, the game gets crazy, and nothing ever typical happens on OU Texas weekend. Well, this weekend, it certainly was typical. Um, Texas was a heavy favorite. They came out, they put it to OU. OU looks like they've pretty much quit on this season, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And if you're wondering whether or not Brent Venables can actually fix what's going on this year or Ted Roof, um, the answer to that question is no, they can't. Because what what it, what it will have to happen is OU is going to have to get different players in there. I say this all the time, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Think players, not plays. Don't tell me about scheme. Don't go off about scheme and identity and all this other garbage. When you don't have players to actually execute that scheme, you're not going to be very good. And and right now, OU just doesn't have very many good players on defense outside of Danny Stutzman and probably Canick. I mean, those are the two guys that you can you can trust every every week to go in there and, and make plays. Other than that, you got a bunch of guys that don't want to tackle. And if the first string doesn't want to tackle, then what does that say about the guys that are running twos, the guys that are running threes? And we discussed it ad nauseum on today's show about how this week, um, and this honestly should have happened last week and the week before, Brent Venable's only message to the team should be, we're going to find guys that want to play. If you don't want to go out and hit somebody, we're going to find guys that want to hit. Problem is, is you've probably been doing that for the last couple of weeks, and for whatever reason, kids either aren't responding or when you put them in the game, they just decide they're going to close their eyes, they're not getting off their blocks, and the guys behind them aren't any good either. So can OU fix it this year? The answer to that question is no. Maybe you can kind of hold it together with duct tape. Maybe you can get yourself together for a few more games to squeak out six wins this year, but ultimately, this will be fixed through recruiting through development, and if you're thinking, well, what about Smitty? I mean, we've seen everything that Rob Glass is doing out at OSU. We, we, we saw the transformation that Colin Oliver made from the time that he stepped on campus, um, going from Edmund Santa Fe 
from December to January to now and, and what he's become. Is Schmitty just not that good? Look, a strength and conditioning coach can only do so much. You know, Schmitty can get them in shape. Schmitty can tell them what it means to be tough. Schmitty can make them a harder group as far as them wanting to do things and pay the price, but ultimately he can't make them tackle. He can't help them come off the edge. He can't help them not get blocked. Um, he can't help them block. That falls on the players, and it falls on position coaches, and right now things in Norman go far beyond Schmitty. There's just a lot of kids out there that don't seemingly have the heart to want to play college football. All right, where I was right, OSU-Texas Tech would be a close game. In fact, it was an incredible nail-biter that I would think most OSU fans by now understand. 41-31, to 31, yeah, the OSU defense gave up a lot of points. But when they needed it, Mason Cobb stepped up, made a big play, had a huge interception. Um, what I've learned over the last two weeks is that you can count on Mason Cobb making at least one impactful play during a game. Right now, my, look, my opinion, for as awesome as Spencer Sanders and Colin Oliver and Trace Ford have been, and, man, all three of those guys have been awesome, Mason Cobb is my favorite player to watch in college football because you just anticipate that at some point during the game, Mason Cobb is going to do something. You don't know when it's coming. It's, it's not like you can sit down and say, okay, fourth quarter, it's Cobb time, or... You know, midway through the second, it's Cobb time. No, I mean, it could come in It could come in any one of these four quarters, like what he did at Baylor and then what he did at Texas. But guarantee you that Mason Cobb is going to make a huge play for Oklahoma State. Where I was wrong, Brent Venables cannot build a culture of toughness at OU in just a few months' time. Um, and that is the most disappointing thing about this season for Oklahoma. I would tell you, I was excited about Brent Venables getting hired as coach at Oklahoma. In fact, I shot my big mouth off a year ago that Brent Venables would be an upgrade over Lincoln Riley. This is why Lincoln Riley was coach at Oklahoma. Because in my opinion, when you play a finesse offense and you don't really pay much attention to the defense as far as the recruiting and development, and, and being honest, Lincoln Riley really didn't do that at Oklahoma. And Oklahoma's defense didn't get a chance to see a tough offense week in, week out at practice. They saw a finesse offense, so they became a finesse team. I thought Brent Venables would be able to, in less time, turn that around and take guys who weren't that good and be able to make them tough. He can't do it, okay? And I'm not even sure that this is something that can be coached. A lot of that depends on who you ask. But toughness has to come from within side. Brent Venables' message is obviously not getting to these guys or the, these guys just don't want to buy into it. And I don't blame coaches for that. I blame players for that. Again, coaching can only take you so far. The players have to do it themselves. Right now, OU doesn't have the talent. OU doesn't have the players to get it done. Yes, I know I sound like a broken record, uh, but it is a bit disturbing to think that uh, Brent Venable's coach team was going to get just absolutely hammered three straight weeks. So can't be done overnight. Hopefully it can be done here within the next few months. Okay, where I was right, Spencer Sanders just gets better every single week. And when you watch this guy continue to make plays, when you watch him continue to throw the ball, 
you can't help but say to yourself, not only is he the best quarterback in the Big 12, but dare we say this is a guy that should start getting a little bit run as a Heisman winner. We're not saying that he should win the Heisman necessarily, all right? What I'm saying more than that, I know I use the words Heisman winner. I, I heard myself there. Um, what I should have probably said is more than, is that he's a guy that needs to be in the conversation. He needs to be getting some love from the Heisman voters. And the longer that Oklahoma State continues to remain undefeated and he continues to do Spencer Sanders-type things, then, hey, go ahead. You know, put this guy's name down on your ballot. You don't have to vote him one. Hell, vote him two, vote him three. But certainly give this cat an opportunity to get to New York because he's earned it. And with all the crap that he's had to take from people around here about the interceptions and not being good enough and OU fans wanting to rag this guy, which I guarantee you right now, OU fans would straight up trade Dylan Gabriel for this cat. You would. You would trade Dylan Gabriel for Spencer Sanders. Give the man his due. He just gets better every single week. And finally, uh, where I was right, again, Davis Bevel isn't any good. And, um, yeah, OU's quarterback situation is just god-awful right now. And I know a lot of you wanted you, you wanted not only Davis Bevel out, but you wanted Evers to be in the game sooner. Now, Brent Venable says all these guys got reps last week, but my question is how many reps were they going with the ones? And you have to err on the side of the fact that the coaches saw something in practice that wasn't working, that wasn't good enough, that didn't make them feel comfortable in putting those guys out there in a crucial situation, and um, that's why you didn't play them. Um, that's why you were going to go with the Wildcat over playing one of your backup quarterbacks. I, you know, Davis Bevel, I feel, I feel sorry for the kid, but this is what I always say about the transfer portal. The OU fans have been spoiled. Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, all three of these guys come to OU via transfer. Hurts came via the portal. But not everyone is that caliber. Dylan Gabriel's not that caliber. Even if he played, OU may have scored, what, 10 points? You know, o- OU's defense wasn't going to stop anyone. Dylan Gabriel couldn't help that. And I don't know if you've watched Dylan Gabriel over the last few weeks, but this is not a guy that I would think you'd have a ton of faith in him being able to get the ball downfield on a consistent basis or even make those intermediate throws. Um, yeah, would you love to have Caleb Williams? Sure, that didn't happen. Uh, would you love to have Spencer Rattler back right now? Sure, I would take Spencer Rattler over everyone who OU has, even though Spencer Rattler has his issue. But yeah, Davis Bevel, horrible. And think about it. Think about the transfer portal this way. Those guys are transferring for a reason. You're getting someone spares. Davis Bevel is a spare. I'll say Dylan Gabriel's a spare. Um, as far as Booty and Evers jumping into the transfer portal, and, and a lot of people are saying that, one, if I'm looking at Davis Bevel, I, and, and I'm one of these two guys, I think, I, hey, the longer Dylan Gabriel stays out, I got an opportunity to play. Plus, if you're a coach and one of these guys jumps in the transfer portal, are you really beating down your door to get to them? These guys couldn't beat out Davis Bevel, and he's terrible. So are you really going to be beating down the door of the guys that can't beat out a bad quarterback? No. 
The answer to that is no. And unfortunately, OU fans, there's just not a magic pill or a switch or anything that can be thrown this year to make it better. You just have to hope that week to week they can improve and that OU can figure out a way on both sides of the ball to get their best 11 out there. Because if they can't, results like what we've seen the last three weeks will just continue to happen throughout this season. All right, coming up next here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition, we're going to start off with the audio, the the most important audio, the most important thing that Mike Gundy had to say at his press conference, and nobody's talking about it. And if you're a college football fan, you're going to want to hear. If you're an OU fan, you're certainly going to want to pay attention to this. Keep it right here. Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Mike Gundy continues to be the most interesting man in college football, by the way, Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. And Mike Gundy's press conferences have become must-listen, must-watch, must-read about events over the last few months. Probably ever since I'm a man, I'm 40, Mike Gundy's a guy you want to hear what he has to say. Is it going to be quirky? Is it going to be you know, informative? I mean, he's the one that told us back as early as Big 12 media days that Bedlam was dead. He brought that up again, and it you know finally got confirmed by both athletic directors that there was going to be no more Bedlam game once OU made, you know, made the trek or finally made the move to the Southeastern Conference. Well, Gundy was right. He was telling us that all along. The other, and now he's telling us, and he hadn't really got into this before, but now he's telling us that, yes, College football is becoming more like the NFL via the NIL and the transfer portal. And how it's becoming more like the NFL isn't just because people can have endorsements or you have this pseudo-free agency. Nah, the other thing that it's doing is it's bringing parity. The NFL is is a parody, and, and it's, it's funny you brought that up because last night um, when I got home, I watched the last – Five minutes of that game that was on with the with uh, um, one of my kids and um, and I saw some scores along the bottom of the screen. So um, the the last year Super Bowl team, I think they're two and three, right? And then the Bengals lost last night and they were in the Super Bowl and they're two and three. And um, I think before this week that uh, the Patriots were one and three. I think. Is that not right? No, that's correct. Okay, so, and he's supposed to be a good coach. So, the point being is that the NFL, there's so much parity, and that's what's trickling down to college because of NIL and the portal. That's why you're seeing things that are starting to level out now because guys are bouncing around in the portal, quarterbacks are bouncing around. Like, you take a quarterback that's starting somewhere, and he's a, he's a really good college player, if you don't screw it up as a coach, you're going to win eight games. And then he leaves and goes over somewhere else, and then the next guy playing has not played much. You might be a five- or six-win season, so it's a huge impact. And I think you're seeing that. I know you're seeing it in the NFL. Now it's coming down to college with the NIL and portal. But to answer your question, there's just so much parity in the NFL that, I mean, how else would you explain that? OU fans are witnessing all this firsthand. And and not to keep bringing up Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, but Lincoln Riley leaves, takes Caleb Williams with him. Spencer Sanders decides to go to South Carolina. 
And now you're stuck with a true freshman quarterback who apparently in the spring wasn't good enough to beat out a, a guy who left UCF or a third-string quarterback from Pitt or some guy out of a junior college in, in general booty. That's where Matt Evers is now. And that's where OU is as a team. You lose some player that dynamic, even though you should have depth or you lose a couple of players that could possibly be dynamic, could change the whole outcome of your season. And right now it's very hard for coaches to build programs. If you're not Alabama, you're not Georgia, you're not established, where things just keep moving along every single year, You've got yourself into a, into a position now where, as a college football coach, you have to make a decision. Are you going to be Lane Kiffin and just embrace the portal, which on its best day is a high-roll crapshoot? And when I say high-roll, this is like, you know, six figures per hand kind, kind of roll. Or are you going to do the more sane thing, which is still go out, recruit as many high school kids as you can, Try and find kids that you can develop and will stick around the program and then use the transfer portal really as patchwork, which is the way that I think most coaches want to see the portal is it's patchwork. And remember that, again, every kid that you get out of the portal isn't necessarily going to contribute. Like if you really need help along the offensive line and you've got some good high school kids, but you know that these kids aren't ready to play by all means, go into the portal, find one, two guys that can play right now. But the other thing that you've got to remember, when you bring kids in from the portal, they've gone through indoctrination at other schools. They have learned a specific way to play. They have learned a specific culture. And now you're trying to undo all that. You're trying to get them to buy into what you want to do. Plus, if they were malcontents or they weren't happy, there's no guarantee that a change of scenery is always going to do them any good. It feels like it's a quick fix, but it's certainly not the answer to everything. But with players leaving, and as oh, you've seen it, I mean, what, 45 players, 48 players that had never played in OU uniforms before? This is the result, okay? This is what you get. You get a team that fools you for the first three weeks into thinking they're better than what they are, and then they get hammered when they run in to better competition. And there's going to be more of this stuff happen. I mean, every week we should be less I get, we should be less impressed with the upsets because this is how college football is going to be until the transfer portal gets under control. The other thing that Mike Gundy had to say is that, um, you know what? I'm just going to let him express this. It, maybe you've heard this, maybe you've not, but I'm just going to let Mike Gundy go here. And here's, um, I don't know, I wasn't that shocked to hear it, but uh, oh, what the hell. Mike Gunny said he interviewed with an NFL team. Has there ever been a point in your life where you thought that might look like something most people didn't want to coach in the NFL? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, Ten years ago, I don't remember how many years ago. Uh, I don't know what year. I can't remember. I went to th- – I, I interviewed three times with one team and then d- didn't take the job. Hmm? Who was it? Um, well, I don't know if they want me to say or not. Uh, huh? um, uh, it was uh, uh, Tampa Bay. They ended up hiring uh, the guy from, uh, I think they hired the guy from Rutgers. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I had three interviews, uh, multiple interviews with them. Uh, but anyway, long story short, yeah, I thought about it, but um, obviously not now. I mean, it's not. Now, take what we just heard, okay, prior to this, okay, if Mike Gundy was approached by an NFL team now, it would logic would dictate that, that he or any other coach is going to look a lot harder at making that move no matter how good things are in their current situation. And Mike Gundy has it better at OSU now than he has at any point in his career. And for the foreseeable future, it's only going to get better. The conference is going to get more winnable. You've got an administration that you're not having to fight week in, week out. This is everything Mike Gundy's ever wanted, except for two things, NIL and Transfer Portal, and more Transfer Portal than NIL. And if you're really concerned about this, and you just keep saying as a coach, well, it doesn't matter what I do, a kid could just up and leave at any moment, and you know, our, our chances of you know competing for a conference championship go from great to zero, then I'm going to go to the NFL where I know my good players are under contract and they can't leave unless we want them to leave because we have the control. So whether it's Mike Gundy or anybody else, making that move from college to the NFL is not only a logical career move now, but it should be one that we see more guys make. And, and I'm surprised we haven't seen a mass exodus um, to the NFL. It was also brought up today, why would Mike Gundy bring this up? First of all, I don't think Mike Gundy's a BSer, and just because we didn't hear this from Adam Schefter or get word of it 10 years ago doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Um, I don't think Mike Gundy was using this as a negotiation ploy as much as Mike Gundy was just trying to tell a story. Now, if this does happen to get Mike Gundy a little bit more money, good for him. But he seems to have way more respect for Casey Shrum and way more uh, respect for... Um, Chad Weiberg, then he did Holder, and then he did Boone Pickens and Burns Hargis. So I don't believe that there was really any nefarious element here with Gundy, and I don't believe he was just telling this for shock value. I think he probably felt comfortable. Hey, I can go ahead and share this with everyone. And to this point, I'm going to believe him because I've got no reason not to believe Mike Gundy. Some people might not want to. Some people might want to get mad at him and t call him a job chaser, whatever. First of all, let's let all that play out. Second, it just doesn't seem like Mike Gundy would be throwing this in people's face. Now, one reason he could be doing it is good coaches play games with the media. Drives us absolutely nuts, makes the fans happy, but this is also Mike Gundy's way of saying, here's a piece of information you didn't have. You may think you're a really good reporter, but 10 years ago, you didn't have this. And if you didn't have this, how good can you be at your job? So now you've kind of planted that seed in people's head and you can get them going. But we've got a pretty good media core, very seasoned media core uh, that covers Oklahoma, that covers Oklahoma State. So it's hard to believe that they would just you know necessarily bite on that. But don't be surprised uh, if now that he said it, uh, somebody like Garen Emick goes digging for it or somebody like Kelly Hines or Barry Trammell goes digging for for this and tries to find a connection to confirm this. So that's that'll be worth worth watching. I don't think it really means anything in the long run other than Mike Gunny says, hey, I got something uh, that you don't have. And speaking of coaching changes, uh, Matt Rule's name has been brought up in connection with the OU job. Okay, brought up by meaning Colin Cowherd. 
Uh, Paul Feinbaum is suggesting that Josh Heupel replace Brent Venables now. Um, so you've got two national voices calling this an absolute wash. Sorry, can't go down that road yet. Um, if it's this bad this time next year, then yeah, I'm with you. Um, but I've got to stick to my guns here and ride this out. I can admit when I'm wrong, but I want to be right on this one. I'll admit, I want to be right. So I won't call it a wash yet. I don't have a problem with the suggestion of Matt Rule. And there is part of me that thinks if you had the opportunity to get him, you'd do it, especially with the SEC on the horizon and him being a proven commodity and you as OU being in a situation where you have to ask yourself if you joke a own, how long can I wait for Brent Venables to make this team better? How long can I wait for him to turn it around? Because if we go into the Southeastern Conference, I need somebody that has an established program that's ready to compete now so we don't fall further and further behind. So if you had an opportunity to get Matt Rule, it certainly should be something that 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 you look at. Um, I don't think that that's what's going to happen with OU. It's, it, the Joe Casiglione firing a guy after one year doesn't seem to be within his M.O. unless Brent Venables has a program that's that's run amok and there's all sorts of just really weird, you know, um, illicit kind of crap going on inside the program, and that's just not the case at, 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 at this point. Um, but I don't blame Colin Cowherd for bringing that up. Sports talk show hosts got to have opinions. That was an opinion. That wouldn't make me think as far as Hypel goes with Paul Feinbaum. No, absolutely not. And here's the reason why that's not going to happen is because you've already hired a guy that people wanted run off in Brent Venables. Well, people want a Josh Hypel run off too. So you're going to bring, you're going to go from one guy you ran off to another guy you ran off. And people probably like Brent Venables for a while, but I remember when Josh Hypel was let go, people couldn't stand him. It was very unfair. Josh Heupel and Brent Venables were both treated horribly by OU fans on their way out. So if you're Josh Heupel, one, don't take the job. I don't think you jump back into it. Two, if you're Brent Venables, you can't you, you can't play that card one more time. You just can't if you're Joe Castiglione. All right, um, let's get to uh, our picks from the Big 12 last week. Uh, one, two, and one, uh, not good. Uh, we did get the Oklahoma State game right. Um, Oklahoma State favored nine and a half or by nine and a half over Texas Tech. OSU wins by 10, 41 31. Um, Kansas uh, was a seven point dog to TCU. We picked that one. Um, we picked Kansas to win that one. TCU did win by seven. So I'm going to give myself credit for a push on that. Maybe I shouldn't, but I will. Uh, Kansas State. Um, was favored by two over Iowa State. We picked K-State, so we lost that one. And then, like I said, the roughneck in me just wasn't going to pick Texas, even though logic told me to, and uh, we lost that one. So one, two, and one this week in college football. Quickly, I'll take Baylor over West Virginia by three and a half. That game's in Morgantown. Um, I'll go Oklahoma State minus or plus the three and a half in Fort Worth over TCU because until you can prove that Oklahoma State isn't the best team in the Big 12, I'll continue to pick them. And then I will take, I let me see, Iowa State my, or plus the 16 and a half over Texas down in Austin. Iowa State plays a lot of close games. Texas may win this one. They won't win by 16 and a half. And sorry, OU fans. Uh, but I'm going with Kansas plus the seven and a half until OU proves um, that they can win a game 
and then they can play some defense. Hate to say it, but that's where we are right now. All right, that'll do it. And I think I said that's where we are right now several times today, so I apologize for making that a crutch. Uh, but that'll do it for today. Thank you so much for listening this week. Um, please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars. Give us four stars. Give us what you think we're worth, but just let us know how we're doing. So subscribe, rate, and review. Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever. We'd love to see what you're, what you're saying. Again, thank you for listening. May God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And as David Lee Roth once said, I've been to the edge, and there I stood and looked down. Yeah, I'm not really sure what that means either, but I'll ponder it this weekend. We'll see you again.